Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Norbert Elias was a retired sociologist, and in his retirement, he traveled around Europe. One day, he was traveling in Europe. He found himself in a small village in Spain. When something kind of strange happened, a little girl came running up to him, started laughing at him, uncontrollably giggling at him. He couldn't figure out why she was laughing until her sister came up behind her and pointed out the fact that his shoelaces were untied. It's a small thing, but he bent down, tied up his shoelace, and he said that he noticed everybody around him change their demeanor. After he tied his shoelace, he looked and there were some old men on a park bench. They were nodding their head in approval. The little children stopped laughing at him. He he said he felt like the whole community was welcoming him back into the fold just because he tied his shoelaces. Like I said, he's a sociologist, so he turned this little moment into an experiment. For the rest of his travels throughout Europe, he would intentionally untie a shoelace, walk around, and see how different cultures reacted to him. Uh, In England, it was old men who would approach him, and they would point out the dangers of having an untied shoelace. Uh, In Germany, it was mostly women who would come up to him, and they would see that he looked disheveled and disorderly, and they'd want to clean up his appearance by telling him to tie his shoelace. Uh, In Switzerland, People would see the shoelace and they would use that as a jumping off point to talk about the other dangers and hazards in the world. In France, nobody seemed to care. (laughs) Nobody stopped him. Nobody alerted him to this danger. They just kept going. Uh, The point is this. Something seemingly insignificant and unimportant, your shoelace, it actually matters. People notice it's way more important than you'd ever think. And the same is true for our shoes. I mean, you put your shoes on in the morning, and then you don't think about them the rest of the day till you take them off. But imagine you were walking around without your shoes on. Uh, You would notice, everyone around you would notice. These things are pretty important, and they say something about you. Uh, If you're wearing high heels, it says that you value fashion. Uh, If you're wearing sandals, it says that you value comfort. If you're wearing some nasty old shoes you've had for 20 years, it says, I don't like to go shopping. These things say stuff about us. They're way more important than we'd ever imagine. All the people who don't like shopping are like, yep, that's me. (laughs) You pegged me. In our scripture reading today, uh, we're reading through the book of Ephesians. Here we are, the end of our sermon series for the summer on Ephesians. We're in chapter 6. And we hear about the whole armor of God, this beautiful uh, description of what it looks like to to be in Christ and to engage the world in Christ. Uh, And we hear about shoes. Uh, This is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15. Uh, The NIV says it like this. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Another translation puts it this way. Wear shoes on your feet which are the good news of peace. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is likened to having shoes on your feet. Hmm. Does that strike anybody as odd? 
I don't know about you, but I would expect the Bible to say the gospel is like having light in the midst of darkness. Or the good news of Jesus is like having uh, the love of God and an unquenchable love for those around you. Or something like that. But we wouldn't really expect to hear the Bible say the gospel, the good news of Jesus, this thing that has changed your world, it's like shoes. Before we can make sense of this, we have to know something about what the Bible says about shoes. Uh, What the Bible said about shoes, what shoes were like and what they meant in the ancient world. Uh, I don't know how many pairs of shoes you have, but I'd imagine it's probably a lot of pairs, uh, several different pairs. Uh, In the ancient world, people had either zero pairs of shoes, maybe one pair of shoes. Very few people would have more than one pair of shoes. Uh, There were three different kinds of people in the ancient world who would typically wear shoes. Uh, Those people were soldiers, wealthy elites, or travelers. Those are the three people that would typically wear shoes. Uh, Soldiers in the ancient world, in the time of Scripture, they would wear uh, shoes because they had to. Uh, They would wear these boots that went up pretty high on their ankles, up to their calf. It was leather. And soldiers would wear these shoes for protection. So that when they're in the midst of a battle, that their toes and their feet wouldn't get hurt. Wealthy people would wear shoes because they could. Uh, Because they had the money, the means to do so, it was like a way to tie an outfit together. Or a way to to show how wealthy you were because look at my shoes, nobody else has these. And then there's that third group. The third group of people in the ancient world or in scripture who, who would wear shoes were travelers. And travelers wore shoes, kind of like soldiers, because they had to. Uh, A traveler would wear shoes to protect his or her feet from uh, rocks and thorns and snakes and other types of creatures that they would encounter on the road. Uh, Without shoes on, you could go two miles. With shoes on, you can go like 20 miles or more. Now the shoes that people would wear back then, they weren't uh, Birkenstocks, uh, they weren't Crocs, They weren't anything fancy at all. These sandals that travelers would wear, it would be a a piece of wood. A piece of wood and there'd be leather straps that would tie these things onto your feet. Now we hear about these traveling shoes in the Bible uh, repeatedly. They're all over the place. Uh, In Exodus, we hear about these sandals. Uh, God's people, the Israelites, are there in Egypt and they're getting ready to leave on a journey. And God tells them, as they're having this Passover meal, Exodus 12, uh, to eat this meal, to do this with sandals on their feet. Why? They're going somewhere. They're going to go on a journey that day. Uh, Jesus, he sends his disciples out. And as he sends them out to proclaim the gospel to the surrounding communities, he tells them, make sure you have your shoes on. Mark chapter 6, Jesus says this, Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. They're supposed to wear sandals because they are going on a journey. They have a purpose, they have a destination, a reason for what they're doing. Uh, Finally, one more. The book of Acts. Peter's in prison. And an angel comes to him, springs him out of prison, and he says, put on your clothes and sandals and follow me. Peter's told, put your sandals on because you're going to go somewhere. You're going to do something. You're leaving this place. So biblically speaking, 
If you have shoes on your feet, you're going somewhere, you're doing something, you have a purpose. You're on a mission. Now hear those words from Ephesians again. In light of this, knowing what we know that shoes meant in the ancient world, listen to this. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In other words, knowing Jesus means you're ready. Knowing Jesus means that your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. You know Jesus, you know his love, you know his mercy, you know the life that you now have in Jesus, and because of that, you're ready. You're ready to go. Ready to step out the door and take on whatever life brings you. Whatever God is calling you to do, you're ready. Your feet are fitted. You've got all that you need tied up tight, ready to go. That means, as the people of Jesus, we're ready for life. If, if life is going to have a bunch of uphill battles and struggles, we're ready. If life's going to be an easy walk in the park, we're ready. Uh, if life is going to cause us to engage some, some struggles, a medical diagnosis or job loss or something like that, we're ready. We're ready for whatever comes our way because we know Jesus. And we're ready to go out there and be workers in his vineyard, be workers in the kingdom, proclaim the gospel to the whole world, to shout this from the rooftops. Our feet are fitted, tied up tight, ready. Easier said than done, though, right? <laughs> Easier said than done. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel ready. I don't always feel prepared to take on what life brings me. I don't always feel like I have exactly what I need, like I'm fully equipped, fully prepared, fully ready for every moment of my week. I'm sure you feel the same way. More often than not, we feel like we're unprepared, like we're vulnerable, like we're spiritually shoeless. Uh, maybe you've had this happen. Uh, you, you go visit a friend in the hospital and you want to bring the peace of God to that friend in the hospital. You show up and you don't have the right words. You don't know what to say. You're speechless. You're talking to a coworker who's going through some sort of struggle or trial and you want to give some sort of godly counsel, speak something of comfort into that person's life and nothing comes out. You don't have the words to share with this person. You're talking to a classmate about some doubt that he or she has. And as you're talking about these doubts, then you realize you're confronting your own questions, your own doubts. You want to bring peace into your child's life, and then you wonder, do I really have the peace of God in my own life? We've all been there before. Every single week, we encounter something that makes us feel like we're not quite prepared, like we don't have exactly what it takes to handle this next challenge. We've all been there, vulnerable, unprepared, shoeless. But you see, God's word says we are prepared. God's word says that our feet are fitted with all that we need, that we're tied up tight, ready to go, ready to take on anything. I'm going to tell you a story uh, that's going to help us think through how in Jesus we actually are ready because of what he's done for us. Uh, the story I'm going to tell you is about a coach, a coach John Wooden. You probably know about him. Uh, he's one of the greatest basketball coaches of history. Uh, coach Wooden, he coached at UCLA. Uh, he coached there, he coached uh, 10 
NCAA National Championships in 12 years. The guy had an 88-game winning streak. I mean, by all standards, he was one of the greatest coaches ever. And Coach Wooden would begin every single season the exact same way. Team meeting. He would have all of his players gather into the locker room. He'd have them all sit around, a star player, lowly bench warmer, all of them. And then Coach Wooden, as they're all sitting there, he'd pull up a chair right into the middle of the group, and he'd sit down. He'd do something kind of strange. He would take off his shoes, take off his socks, and then he'd say, pay attention, watch. And he'd pull his sock on very deliberately. And he'd say, okay, now pull it up tight. Make sure there's no creases, no folds, nothing else. Pull tight. Now put your shoe on. Pull the tongue. Start lacing from the bottom. Make sure it's tight. Then work your way up. Tie a knot. Make sure it's firm. And then he would do something even more unexpected. He would get down on bended knee and he would tie everyone's shoes. He would show his players, here's how you pull your sock up. Here's how you tighten them up. This coach, this world-class coach, would personally make sure his players were ready. He would stoop down on bended knee to make sure each and every one of them was completely, totally prepared. And this is what Jesus has done for us in a far greater way. Jesus did this very thing with his disciples. Not in a locker room, but in an upper room. And he said, friends, pay attention, come close. And then Jesus, the God of the universe, got down on bended knee, took off their sandals one by one by one, and he washed their feet so that they personally knew that they were loved, so that they personally knew he would go to any length to have them as his people. And then he said, this is a glimpse. This is just a little taste of what I'm going to do when I go to the cross for you and when I leave the tomb empty for you. This is our Jesus. He has done this very thing for you and for me. He's stooped down, gotten down and bended knee into the, the mess that is our broken world. He's stooped into your brokenness, into your sin, into my sin. And he showed us his love. He's mended the broken straps between you and God. He's mended the broken straps between you and one another. This is his love for us, and he's done this so that we personally know, without a question, without a doubt, that we are his, that we are forgiven, that we are made new in him, that we are ready, ready for anything. Friends, Jesus sends us out, feet tied tight, fitted with the good news that he has, Uh, He sends us out with his word, powerful, authoritative word. He sends us out promising to hear you in prayer. He sends us out with his Holy Spirit to fortify us, to equip us, to give us all we need. He sends us out ready, prepared for whatever life brings us. Today, tomorrow, forever. This is most certainly true Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. As we think about what Jesus has done for us to make us totally, fully ready for life, 
uh, we confess these words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory, judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. The congregation may be seated. This time we have our response of gratitude, God's blessings to you during this time of worship. A couple of announcements to share with you uh, as we're taking our offering. First of all, welcome. Welcome to our guests and visitors. We're so glad to have you here. Hope and pray you receive a warm welcome here at St. Luke. And uh, I left my slides note in my office, so we're going to have to guess what's coming next. This will be fun for all of us. Yes. <laughs> Community kitchen. Uh, our community kitchen, uh, if you're unaware, downtown at the Christ campus, uh, we serve 100 people every single Saturday. And we have an opportunity uh, September 8th, the next Saturday, uh, to serve there. And so please, if you're available next Saturday, sign up at the sign-up center. Uh, the next slide. Uh, starting next Sunday, we start our new fall sermon series, Jesus, God's Global Initiative, uh, that in Christ Jesus, God has said, I'm going to make all things new, not just in a small place, but all things, heaven and earth, the whole world. Uh, so we're going to be thinking about that starting next Sunday. Uh, welcome back Sunday. We have a lot of things that are starting back up this week and on Sunday, uh, September 9th, uh, fall Bible classes are getting started uh, throughout this week, but then also on Sunday, we have a whole lot of uh, new Bible classes that are beginning. You can see them there. We also have discipleship training uh, beginning September 5th, which is this Wednesday at Meridian Campus and uh, on Sunday at Christ Campus. First step class, if you are interested in membership here at St. Luke, uh, that's our first step class that will be beginning at both campuses next Sunday. There's a sign-up sheet at the sign-up center if you are interested in attending that. Uh, downtown, we are changing the worship time starting uh, this coming Sunday the 9th. And so you can see the different times there. Bible class will be ahead of worship, 845, uh, and then worship service will be at 10. And you've probably heard what that will enable us to do is whoever's preaching uh, here will be able to head downtown and preach there and then make it back here uh, for late service. So what, what our plan is, we're going to put a clerical collar on and just drive really fast. <laughs> But uh, we won't. 
Uh, and then also student ministry, uh, starting with their Love Out Loud. Uh, it's beginning Tuesdays, uh, September 11th there. More information out in the Narthex. And then lastly, we have our fall festival. This is a fellowship opportunity uh, at this campus on the 15th and at Christ Campus on the 22nd. This is a great opportunity to come back uh, since we've all been different places throughout the summer. We'll have, you can see there, petting zoo, games, activities, balloons, face painting, uh, snacks, all sorts of stuff. Great time for you to come back, but also engage a neighbor, invite a neighbor. Uh, great opportunity for us to uh, say, hey, come check out what God is doing here in this place. Uh, you'll receive some information about that as you leave today. I think that's it. Look at that. Good. Awesome. Walking by faith is what that's called. <laughs> I invite the congregation to please rise as we prepare for prayer. This morning we will be praying using the ACTS model of prayer, which is an easy way to pray and teach our family. It's adoration, confession, 